1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/slash people today.
0: Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this.
2: <laughs> now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's
3: share market to this a two-year low. There who are, of course,
0: pockets. He was business. the big spender. Right. The big spender. Doing Mr. the grocery 28. shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget
1: and that's finance.
2: Hello and welcome to Comedian Versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas.
3: Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing very well, thank you. Hey, Thomas, we're on a break next week, uh, so no show next week and no show the week after we're having two weeks off for the school holidays and then we'll be back, I'd say, refreshed, but I took the kids bowling to lunch and then to intensity today and I am a wreck. So uh, that's day one of the school holidays down. Uh, two weeks, we'll see how we're trucking. Uh, but anyway, as always, a big show coming up, so let's get stuck straight into it. Startups are slowing down. Will people just go back to looking for a job instead of inventing one? Uh, On Comedian versus Economist, it's Corporate America versus the US government as Bezos battles Biden. But first, Thomas, Reamped Energy is considering renaming itself to Deamped Energy as it tries to get rid of customers. What is going on there?
3: (laughs) We ticked this one off a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember when, but we got an mm. email from Phil, uh, CVE podcast, something, something, you know, because <laughs> Adam will fill you in later. <laughs> CVE
2: at equitymates.com oh, that, or via the website equitymates.com <laughs> forward slash CVE. Nice job, Thomas. Slick yes. as, as ever. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, so Phil, sent it, Phil forwarded us an email from Reamp Energy. He was a Reamp Energy customer and mm. Reamp were telling all their customers to that they, they could find better deals elsewhere and that they should seriously consider leaving. This did seem a bit odd at the mm. time,
2: it's fair to say. This was certainly the first time I've ever heard of a, a business of any sort telling their customers, mm. hey, you could probably score a better deal. Um, Woolies have mm. certainly never told me maybe check out the, the, <laughs> the, the red red spot specials at Coles. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a bit odd. And I don't think mm. I th- neither of us um, no. could come up with a reasonable explanation that made a lot of sense
3: to this. No, we took a couple of st- – I think that the best guess for us was that they knew prices were going up. They weren't. They didn't have enough electricity. They weren't covered for electricity, which meant they maybe had to buy at Inflated spot prices, which mm. meant that they just needed to get rid of customers. Yeah, that, that was our sort of a best. Get. And then they just and put that with like a bit of marketing spin around being the honest guys in the market. Mm. Turns out, though. It might be a little bit more to the story. The AFR Ooh. revealed last week that they had hedged positions. So them and uh, Re- Reamps are, is a New Zealand company, but then there is years grew on this listed on the ASX, which is listed.
2: <laughs> know, are uh, you Googling this right now <laughs> as we talk? I thought you usually come in with notes.
3: Um, well, no, I, well, the kids are away, so I had a bit of a big weekend on the weekend. Early. <laughs> little little
2: dusty. (laughs) Had some mates come around, got some spreadsheets out. (laughs) Did some sum brackets.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, they're on the ASX. Sorry, I knew the the acronym. The acronym is LPE. I just couldn't remember what it stood for. It's Local Planning Energy. Um, they're on the ASX anyway, but now it turns out that the Australian Energy Regulator is investigating them Ooh. because they had hedge positions, which they then sold back to the market, worth up to about a hundred million dollars, which is what the, the AF, AFR is saying. Ah, so so basically, they they were, they had bought energy in the futures market, so they had locked that contract in mm. back when when energy was kind of cheap, and right. then energy energy prices exploded and. It's sort of it's, – it's interesting actually looking at energy prices. I was trying to sort of clock this today. Like it was sort of around $60 per megawatt hour. Now mm-hmm. it's up around four like 490 I saw in Queensland. But it's sort of like it moves around. So it's like it's hard to know where to sort of like draw the average. Like whether you look at the quarterly or the weekly numbers, you get different numbers. But energy prices have exploded. That's no mm-hmm. secret. So what they found themselves in the situation is they had bought – a lot of cheap energy in the futures market, which had now that energy had exploded in value. Right. And so rather than giving it to their customers at the contracted price, Mm. which was contracts that were set 12 months ago or something, which was relatively cheap, they (laughs) could not give it to their customers and give it back to the market and make a lot of money apparently. Right. This saying.
2: happened to me the same thing the other day, actually. I filled up the car with petrols, like $1.20 a litre, and then petrol prices went like gangbusters to like two bucks. So there I am sitting on a full tank of petrol that I paid a dollar <laughs> twenty a litre for. So I just I just jerry-canned that up, sold it on Facebook Marketplace and told the kids to walk to school. <laughs> I'm backing them in. I'm, I see what they're doing, mm, um, but mm. I guess they couldn't. They couldn't just tell their customers, "Look, we don't want to sell you. Like, we we're not going to sell you the electricity because they were contracted with the customers to sell them, right? So, so they instead, yeah. what did they do? They wrote them all the, the, like the letter that yeah. they wrote people like Phil a letter saying, "Hey." Maybe you could shop around for a better deal, yeah. one that doesn't involve us <laughs> selling you electricity that we could make a lot more from if we sold it back into the market.
3: It was sort of odd because they weren't sort of saying what was specific to them. Mm-hmm. You know, energy prices are exploding. If the customers shop around, they're going to find another retailer who's got the same cost pressures on the wholesale side. Mm. Customers are facing rising prices, no matter which retailer they go to. Even the gen tailors are their prices are going up. So you know, like or, like AGL, like they generate right. and retail. There's two okay. businesses yeah, bundled yeah. together, but even they're not protected. Like their their retail's getting smashed as well.
2: If Phil shopped around, was he going to mm. find a better price? Given that the the market had already started going up. Like,
3: yeah, I imagine
2: the, I the other know. retailers and the, the gen tailors mm. would be like, well, no, nah, the writing's on the wall. We, we, we don't want to sell you the energy we've got.
3: Yeah, like, right. This is the thing in the AFR article is that apparently they quoted some unnamed executives from, from the big retailers mm. who were really annoyed about this because they end up with the customers <laughs> after, after, this, after the reamp left and they went and joined Origin or AGL or whatever <laughs> and they're like, oh, damn it. More customers. I'm <laughs> <laughs> cheap energy.
2: What kind of uh, world are we living in? We've got, <laughs> we've got <laughs> businesses fighting over not having customers. I don't want them. You take them.
3: Like it's hard to know what they did wrong exactly. Like you look at Reamps letter, and like it's a little bit, a little bit sneaky. They're saying like we just want to be straight up with you. Mm. You're going to get a better deal elsewhere. We recommend that you go. Mm. They weren't saying the straight up version sounds like it was. We've got, we're sitting on contracts for some really sweet energy and we just want to sell it back to the wholesale market, so we'd prefer that you left. That would be like the straight-talking version, it <laughs> sounds like.
2: I would um, love to have been a fly on the wall in the committee meeting that had to come up with the plausible reason why they didn't want customers anymore. Can you imagine that? Like the, the, the pricing committee would have gone to the marketing department and just been like, look, we've got a challenge here. <laughs> We need you to get rid of our customers. They'll be like, "What? We, you know, you know what we do, right? We, <laughs> we've literally spent four years building this business, trying to attract people to come and join us, and." now you wanted to get rid
3: of them. What, what they're saying, and da- Damien Glanville, he gave some comment. He's a he's a CEO of LPE. He gave some mm. commentary to the to the AFR and saying like, "Look, we'll, the, it was either that or go broke." Basically, the quote was, "We were running around scrambling to raise money for the credit supports. I was remortgaging my houses, as was <laughs> Justin. <Yeah. laughs> houses, plural.
2: Houses. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough times for everybody." <laughs> Yeah. I didn't know where to park my cars. <laughs> I had to remortgage my houses. <laughs> yeah. I sold three of my boats. I only, I've only got four left.
3: Yeah, but yeah, it goes on. We, we've sunk a shitload of cash into the business and we could mm. see that it was going to evaporate overnight. Selling my hedges was what the business needed to do to get my sunken cost back, mm. which I think is right. Like I think, you know, like my, my retailer has collapsed as well. Like it's gone out of business and right. I've got. I've got. have got to find a new. Because you didn't
2: leave when you were told, Tom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah. Well, the funny thing is that you get your contract gets bounced to a new retailer unless you do, you nominate another one. So right. yeah. So if you want to choose, you sort of. But then you can't. You can switch once you get bounced if you don't like where you end up. It's a funny, right. It's a funny system.
2: Does the government ever step in here? Does the government have a role to kind of go? Like, like, hey, we noticed that your electricity provider has kicked you out of there. <laughs> they don't want you as a customer, and we understand you've gone shopping, and no one else wants you as a customer. Like, if everybody's like, look, nobody wants to sell me electricity. Um, does the government? Can the government step in?
3: Well, no, no, no. It's mm. a it's a market in quotation marks. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no nationally owned electricity mm. retailer. No, there's not, nothing they that's can it. really do. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's retailers sort of collapsing all over the place. And so in that sense, like I've got a bit of sympathy for L- LPE and Reamped because, mm. you know, they were sitting on this, you know, lucrative cash, like yeah. with, the, with the hedges and that, that's what's going to get them. That's the almost it's sounding like the only hope to get them through this period mm. um, and survive and then come back into the market and keep going. Mm. I can get why why they why they you know probably had to do that.
2: Well, is is it legal what they're doing? Can they? I guess so. <sighs> they're just advising people. just advising yeah, people you probably get a better so. deal. Assuming
3: yeah, I shouldn't. know they can. I don't know what law they'd be breaking there. Mm. Like it's a bit you know they're not doesn't sound like with reamps. My reading of the email, they're not being fully transparent, but they're not being
2: no. Nah, but nobody is these days. Like, no, nah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> everyday low prices, my bump <laughs> um. alright Thomas 2022 has been a rough year for startups what's going on now
3: yeah so th- it does seem like the, the, the market has turned a bit in terms of like support for startups so 2021 sort of venture capital fundraising was through the roof I think we, we talked about this we covered some data of this a, a little while ago mm. yeah probably like six nine months ago now I kind of lose track um, yeah, it's like a huge amount of money, huge amount of venture capital money flowing into Australia. Yeah, like this we even called the show Why Are Aussie Startups a Magnet for Cash? Because the first right, quarter yeah. of 2022 was huge. Mm. But it's, it's slowing very rapidly. Um, it's down now, startup funding's down now 52%. Wow. um yeah so cut through venture is a, a organization I don't know what they do exactly I think they do they do data on on uh, venture capital mm-hmm. yeah saying down fifty two percent from a year earlier yeah 44 deals completed in June down from 63 this time last year
2: what does this mean fewer startups starting up or the the, the ones that are the existing startups are what, having to cut costs or what
3: so different different funding rounds so when you, a new company will go for different funding round and you get the you know the early I don't know what they're called they've got different names like series a series B mm. um, there's different stages of, of that they ra- that they raise capital um, and so they're, they're different the data here just captures the total amount going into the different series and, and one of the things they're saying is like it's moving towards later series investment that the early stage investing that that's dried up the most. Right. And there's been a bit of a shift away from fintech, which was sort of when we, last time we talked about, it, that was the, that was the big driver. Um, now it's Well, it Vault really
2: Bank closed, didn't they? Vault Bank that closed, that's so, right. Yeah. It was like, there was a bunch of these neo banks around for a while. Mm. And then I think all the neo banks got bought up. Well, at least one each got bought up by the big banks. And then there was just a few neo banks left floating around, going, "Could someone buy us too?" And they're like, "Nah, we've we've got one already." <laughs> <I> got one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like picking kids for the school school sports team.
3: Yeah, the one the ones uh, that got big funding in this quarter were ed, edu, EdTech, ed ed tech education tech apparently. Ah. Right. yeah so there's so funding seems to be sort of drying up a little bit there's also the sydney morning herald and the afr were running articles on the number of startups shedding staff right yeah so sendal was the was one of the big ones that was a that's a i don't know if you know sendal was a shipping business it was sort of taking on australia post but sort of focused on business the business mm. trade right post without the office is their their tagline classic um, clever yeah, yeah smart um, yeah, but they, they were a bit of a darling of like 12 months ago. But, um, yeah, they've now made 12% of their workforce redundant.
0: Right. And
3: what the CEO described as a preemptive step. And he's saying that he's, he's seeing what's going on uh, in America and he's getting a bit nervous.
2: Mm.
3: Uh, Did they consider quite-
2: getting rid of some customers? Did <laughs> <laughs> no, try and sc- <laughs> try, try and scale back, their- <laughs> scale back demand,
3: <laughs> keep the staff on? So yeah so they they they're cutting staff Airtasker another another sort of famous name that they they cut 5% of their staff all the what? Wa- <laughs>
2: I didn't think they had any staff that was the point of Airtasker wasn't it <laughs> 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 people paid other people to do the work who's who's working on Airtasker what do they do you know <laughs> If they need someone at short notice, you know where they could go find someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can't go there anymore. They're scaling down. Uh,
3: yeah. right. and when Vault closed down, that near bank, that was no. 140 people lost their job there.
2: What made me laugh is that there's a new startup called Early Work, and what mm. Early Work does is they help people who've been laid off by startups that have closed. <laughs> 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 Really? So the solution, the solution to startups running out of venture capital and having to lay off staff, is a new startup oh. <laughs> to help place people who've <laughs> lost work due to failing startups. Oh, no. I don't know where this is going to end. Every, every
3: but, crisis is an opportunity. Uh, That's so. right.
2: Exactly right. Exactly. Given how low the unemployment rate is at the moment, is this going to is this the kind of thing that's going to show up in the jobs data, or is this?
3: Um well, yeah, I mean, it's funny the way they're reporting it. So sendals like shed twelve percent of their staff; that's twenty six mm. people. Yeah. has right, yeah. shed five five percent; that's nine people. <laughs> so right. they're not they're not big numbers because they're not big companies. Which I mean, that's interesting. Like mm. you think about Sendor and are like big names like they've got big splash names everyone like mm. i don't know i feel like they're you know they're household not household names but they're pretty well known but they're like mm. tiny organizations like airtask is 200 people
2: that's the whole point of the organization isn't it i like, think it's tech i think that's you know, tech i mean we're being yeah it's tech yeah so you got some got some developers and i don't want to yeah <laughs> oversimplify it but but the whole point is that you're not running all this stuff. A bit like yeah. Uber doesn't run a, a fleet of cars yeah, because yeah. the whole the whole idea is that mm. it works because you don't have to run a fleet of cars. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so it makes sense that they don't have huge staff numbers. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So it's just a tech story, then. So w- what does this tell us about where the where the economy is at? Anything? Is it or is it just a kind of? Uh, I
3: think I think it I think it points to liquidity, like. Mm. You know, there was a boom in 2021, like a massive amount of venture capital money flowing around into startups, into into different Mm. things, into SPACs, those, you know, blank check companies.
2: I never understood SPACs. Oh, it's like SPAC filler all over it. SPACs,
3: (laughs) no idea. Yeah, basically basically it's a blank check company where investors put all their money in and go like, we don't know what you're going to buy, but go out and buy Mm. something. And we just trust you're going to buy something good.
2: But who's running them? Right. Like, uh, I think I think SPACs of like SPAC by the way mm. for anyone who hasn't heard the term before. I think special, special purpose acquisition company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like it's sole as you say. Its sole objective is to like buy other companies.
3: Mm, mm.
2: From what I read the other day that they're all failing as well, all these all the SPACs.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I think mm. I think it's a case of the liquidity tide going out. So you had all this money mm. coming out of money printing out of the central banks. That's now mm. turned interest rates are rising. And that liquidity is starting to draw up, dry up. Mm. That's changing the game. Yeah, there just isn't, a, isn't the money that was around before. And so OIF Ventures partner, Lawrence Schwartz, was quoted saying that growth at all costs is no longer being rewarded by investors. And there's a shifting mindset towards businesses that have strong growth, but that are also capital efficient with strong strong underlying metrics like gross profit, sensible customer acquisition costs, lifetime value, retention and engagement Mm. So basically, they're saying like there's, that's the, the you know the metrics of a good business. So money's now now more interested in good businesses, whereas before they were just right. interested in growth. They didn't really care just about the underlying business. Speckies, speckies, yes, yeah, speckies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So
2: yeah, which makes sense. Mm. So, so no more speckies, no more specs. But I did see that specks and specs is making a comeback. <laughs> so. Instead of specs and specs, we'll have spics and specs. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so all
2: bad. right, why don't we, uh, on that ridiculous note, why don't we uh, pause? We'll grab a quick break from this week's sponsor and be back. After the break, we're going to be looking at Bezos versus Biden. Stick around. More Comedian versus Economist right after this.
1: Planning for your next trip?
2: Welcome back here on Comedian Versus Economist. You can get in touch with us via social media, Facebook and Instagram, at Podcast, or, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. Thomas, mm. Jeff Bezos is fighting with Joe Biden. What's going on?
3: Mm, a couple mm. of heavy hitters. Yeah, they're, they're, they're involved in a bit of an ongoing Twitter spat, Oh, I'm so and bored and of Twitter, man.
2: Like, why can't people like? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see a phone call between them, you know, or something old school, like kind of face to face meeting. They met up, and it, you know, they had a coffee, and it all it all kicked off. <laughs> 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 and Biden and Bezos were just seen tumbling out of a cafe into the street. You know, like yeah. everything happens on all these all these big fights happen on Twitter
3: these days. Yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, they're talking. They're talking to different. They're not. I mean, that's a weird thing. You're pretending to talk to someone, but you're really talking to your base, and mm. your supporters. Anyway, so so President Biden came out and said that he he demanded that, that that petrol companies lowered their petrol prices at the pump. Um, mm. At a time of war and global peril, so bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product, and do it now," he wrote. At that point, Jeff Bezos he, he, he chimed in and said that that kind of talk was uh, that inflation was far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. It's either straight ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics," he
2: mm. said. He's familiar with Trump's tweets during his time in the White House, isn't he? Like, <laughs> I think it's fair to say it's fair to say the standard of tweets coming out of the White House these days is significantly improved. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, maybe. So but then anyway, so then the White House press secretary fired back saying mm. that um, yeah, the oil prices had fallen fifteen dollars a barrel in the past month, but the petrol prices at the pumps hadn't changed. And said that the market was failing the American consumer, and then she goes, "But I guess it's not surprising that you think oil and gas companies using market power to reap record profits at the expense of the American people is the way our economy is supposed to work." Mm. Zing, zing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, this is the press secretary, the White House press secretary, right? Just mm. sinking the boot into the third richest <laughs> person on the planet. Like <laughs> what? But he's, right. but he's not running Amazon anymore. He's
2: just no, he's, he's just flying space rockets in, yeah. in outer space. So yeah, maybe she's like, well, what's he gonna do?"
3: He's, yeah,
2: yeah. He's not in charge. He's just he's just a really rich man now.
3: Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's interesting. Like, like I think the politics has changed quite a lot because you now have this. One of the horses that Trump rode to power was anti-corporate America and anti-big mm. business. Which um, and he run o- he won over Rust Belt America, which had seen the offshoring of of industry and jobs to other countries and had totally hollowed out the domestic economy and left people without jobs. Mm. Those constituents were you know previously working class and democrat leaning He won a lot of them over in two thousand and sixteen by being anti wall street anti big corporations. And that mm. that that theme has has flowed through the Republican Party, and Ted Cruz now is sort of is flying the banner for that one, and he's. Being anti anti big corporations and anti big America, and saying that you know, whereas the Republican Party was always the the party of business, he's now saying that that Wall Street and the Democrats are in bed together, and that's the problem with the Democrats. Right. So there's now so the Republican Party's got a bit of an interesting split there happening at the moment, which hasn't uh, hasn't doesn't seem to heal yet, and it'd be interesting to see how it re- resolves, but. Basically, billionaires and now the Democrats are saying like, "Okay, well, that opened up a weakness. We were too, we, we were seen to be too pro Wall Street." Seen-
2: hang on, the Democrats. So mm. Biden's a Democrat, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And Trump was a Republican. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Sorry. Just. Yeah. And so the Democrats are like, "Well, we were seen to be too. We we got hammered because we were seen to be in bed with big business. We need to be mm. making sure that we're not. We're going to go shift that public perception." And sticking the boot into billionaires seems to be the way to do it, right? Well, is, is one is one strategy, and which is why I think you know you have got the press secretary just going to town on on him, which is you know like you could kind of say like is that really appropriate for like you know the press secretary of the leader of the free world to be making calls like that? But mm. that's that's the sort of weird Twitterverse that we live in now, yeah. You know, I don't think Biden's got any political friends, really. They'll take his money, but Mm. there's no one going to stand up for him in this.
2: So is that what Bezos is saying? Is Bezos calling him on the sort of political bullshit or is he –
3: is Bezos – what's his motivation? Like what's – This spat started – so that's that's what happened last week. But this spat started Mm. a few weeks ago where President Biden tweeted – You want to bring down inflation? Question mark. Let's make sure that the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Right. And so he's saying, like, you want to bring down inflation? Let's make sure wealthy corporations are paying tax. And then Bezos was like, "What? That doesn't even make sense." Like, Mm. saying like he tweeted, "The newly created disinformation board should review this tweet, or maybe they need to form a not a new non sequitur board instead." Raising corporate tax corporate taxes is fine to discuss. Taming inflation is critical to discuss. Mushing them together is just misdirection. Uh, what do you reckon? I mean, it's, to an extent, it's right. So Lawrence Summers, who was the former um, Treasury Secretary in in America, I think under Clinton, maybe he mm. he said it sort of like, yeah, it's like it's mostly wrong what Bezos is saying. Like if you. If if the problem is excess demand and there's too much economy too much uh, money in the economy, as a general rule, take the government taking more out of the economy in tax slows the economy down. And so, if you've got inflation because there's too much demand and too much money in the system, raising taxes and taking money out of the system is a way to cool inflation, and that that kind of works. Right. But it's it's sort of it's not direct. You don't typically talk about raising taxes as a way of fighting inflation. It depends on where inflation is right, so like if you you
2: could do it though like because we talked last week about um somebody wrote us in saying, um, could we raise the GST as a way of fighting inflation like mm. rather than raising interest rates could we mm. could we raise the GST everyone have to pay a bit more money that would reduce their spending and yada 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 so mm. yeah I don't know is that is that the argument here that they're saying or is that is that what Biden's saying like uh. if they paid more tax then that would somehow control inflation because they're
3: not spending as much yeah there'd be less money in the system yeah if the government took it out and then just sat on it and then didn't Mm. put it back into the system that that Mm. would that lowers the amount of money in the system and that theoretically lowers demand which pulls down demand demand pull inflation if that's what if that's what you're fighting but i think he bezos's point is like well we're talking about inflation we're really talking about cost push inflation it's all about supply bottlenecks it's all about Mm. disruptions with COVID and those sort of things and if you're talking about like too much demand money in the system well you just printed like a gazillion dollars (laughs) and just (laughs) let it flow out like don't be blaming corporations for that like
2: i do feel like that's starting to bite people in the ass a bit now isn't it the whole money printing thing that's it's starting to not look like such a terrific idea because there's nowhere yeah. to put money we've disrupted the the equilibrium somehow of the markets and there's a lot going on i don't know there's a war and and covid and everything else but i feel like a lot of, a lot of this is going to start getting traced back to that that crazy money printing that went yeah, on.
3: yeah I, th- I yeah i think it is but i think i think the question the thing to remember is the scale mm. like it's sort of like saying having a coffee is fine mainlining coffee straight into your veins <laughs> is not a great idea <laughs> like it's it was a bit like that like some money printing in a measured dose mm. slowly scaled up carefully watching where you like where the slack is in your economy and where things are too tight and, and then managing around that which is which is more closer to the mmt position mm. like the mmt position was never just print Money like a a madman and just gush (laughs) it into the economy, which is kind of what we ended up doing, because because we got away with it in 2008. So that you know, US went into QE Mm. after the global financial crisis and and had some money printing and and it sort of worked out all right. We didn't get any inflation. We we, the Fed undershot the inflation target for most of the 2010s. Mm. So everyone was like, oh, we kind of got away with that. And then they green light, baby, green light, yeah. Like I think the scale of money printing, I think in in hindsight, is mm. definitely a mistake. Where the money printing as a concept was a mistake, and I think I think we probably overclocked how the impact that COVID was going to have on demand. I don't I don't think it was quite as bad as we an, anticipated it being, and it was you know it was really like very it's pretty
2: bad. Like yeah, supply chain disruption all over the world, isn't there? Yeah, It's pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, but. <laughs> I don't know what your scale is that you're working on <laughs> <laughs> for, for how bad uh, supply chain disruption is, but
3: yeah, it seems but no, no bad I mean, for
2: where I'm sitting.
3: Yeah, but no, the problem the problem is there's too much dem- there's too much demand now. Like we like in Australia, we talk about like job keep job keeper overclock things. There were companies ah, okay. that didn't need the support that got a lot of support. There were mm. individuals who got a lot of support that they that didn't really need the support. There was there, mm. there were people who definitely needed it and they got it and that's great. You're definitely in, a, in the Australian context, I think you'd say we overclocked it and ended up with with too much demand and too much money in the system, and, right. that, and that's where a lot of that inflation is coming from.
2: When, just out of curiosity, do you know do you know when Biden was sending these tweets? Was it was it late at night?
3: No, I couldn't couldn't tell you because
2: I did read something the other day that people are starting to question that maybe Biden's a bit old, oh, and yeah. that and that his his political staffers and aides are like, look. He's he can't really come out at night time anymore. He should he just needs to get to bed <laughs> nice and early. <laughs> but then, on the contrary, some other people are like, nah, he's a super ager. There's that's a thing. There's a super oh. ager. Someone uh, a super ager is someone like in their eighties, but that they kind of have the cognitive uh, abilities of someone like in their forties or something.
3: So oh, okay, okay,
2: yeah. I'm a super ager. I've, uh, I'm in my 40s, but I have the cognitive ability of a five-year-old.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, finally on the show today, we got an email from Nick, uh, sent us an email, cve at equitymates.com, with a little bit of a correction from last week. And I can't help but uh, want to blame you, Thomas, despite this, I think, being my fault. I think last week we were talking about the 60-40 rule uh, Mm. and 60-40 rule being 60% uh, equities and 40% bonds making up a portfolio that was uh, pretty resilient. We're talking about bonds and how bond prices are structured and I think I might have said that so when interest rates go up, bonds go up. But Nick sent us an email kind of correcting it and I'm going to take Nick's word but I'd like you to explain what's going on because (laughs) i still got no idea.
3: Uh yeah yeah no Nick's, Nick's right this right I mean it's it's why it's why this is such an interesting phase in the market and why and why we're sort of out of sync or why the sixty 40 stopped sixty forty rule stopped working mm. and sort of the idea with the sixty forty rule is that when your equities are falling then your your bonds are rising and vice versa and you kind of balance it out mm. and so typically in a normal cycle when interest rates are rising because the economy is running really hot and when the economy is running really hot corporate profits are up and and equities are booming mm. and you're sort of like having to raise rates to sort of cool cool things down and but when interest rates go up then then bonds fall when the economy is tanking and company profits are falling and share prices are going down, then you start cutting interest rates and that pushes up bonds. And so you have falling equities in that scenario, but rising bonds. Right. And that's typically how it works. But what we've got, why it's sort of weird now is because equity valuations exploded on the back of cheap money and um, money interest rates and and money printing. Mm. And now that that's being unwound. So you've got interest rates rising, that sort of speculative heat is coming out of the market and the market is correcting. So you've got interest rates rising at the same time, which is then causing equities to fall. Um, and because so the in- interest rates are rising, which is pushing down bond prices and equities are falling because liquidity is coming out of the system. And so that's right. sort of like the unusual situation you've got. And it's why the 60-40 rule doesn't work in a market like this. And this is something this is what we're trying to sort of get to. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of an artificial market that's been created by, by super cheap money. That's what's broken the 60, 40 rule. But yeah, so Nick's, Nick's right. Thanks for that correction, Nick. That's good.
2: Yeah. Thanks very much, Nick. Uh, look, if you want to send us an email, cve at equitymates.com, you can get in touch with us there. Uh, that's it for us this week. We have two weeks off. We'll be away for a couple of weeks. Hopefully our absence will make your heart grow fonder. Uh, in the meantime, I uh, hope you will. hope you're enjoying school holidays with the, Kids, if you got them. Uh, otherwise, we will uh, come back refreshed, rearing to go in a couple of weeks, and we look forward to your company then. So bye for now.
0: Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian Verse Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen